Welcome, my lords, to the Well-Earned Comforts Podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Seth. And Thank I'm you for joining us. Oh, see, oh I did my it again. gosh, Sam. All right, all right, all right. What are this you doing? It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> this, is, this is good. We'll just put this in as the blooper, blooper reel. <clears throat> Welcome, my lords, to the Well-Earned Comforts Podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Seth. And I'm Caleb. Thank you for joining us on the Walls of Isengard as we explore the many works of Tolkien and, of course, discuss life. We're glad to have you as part of the Fellowship as there's no telling where it'll be swept off to. And today we're going to be swept off into the musical world of Howard Shore slash Peter Jackson slash Tolkien. We have a guest on the podcast. You just heard his uh, little intro name there, Caleb. He is our cousin, uh, from our mom's side, that's not important. I don't think you need to know that. But uh, welcome to the podcast, Caleb, to the Well Earned Comfort Podcast. Uh, we'll do a little babbling like Butterbur, just between the three of us. Start with you. Give us a little uh, intro, who you are, how you like Tolkien, what's going on in your life, you know, just whatever you want to say. Quick intro. Go ahead. Yeah. Thanks, Sam. Well, it's great to be here. Um, yeah, I am the cousin of Seth and Sam. And a little bit about me, I... Uh, I'm a music guy. I'm a video game composer um, slash so cool. media composer. So I write, so I write cool. music for stuff like Lord of the Rings, more or less. Not on that epic st- scale yet, but someday. Sure. Um, <laughs> and then what else? I live in Colorado. Um, it is October and the trees are gorgeous. Um, where, where, in, where in Colorado? That's important. Gunnison, Colorado, the coldest place yeah. in Colorado. But that's right. Yeah, it's, it's a good time. Um, how I got into Lord of the Rings, honestly, it was probably through the music. Hmm. Uh, my dad would play clips of the movies for me when I was really young. And I mean, I remember the visuals. The visuals were amazing. You know, it was exciting with all the battle scenes and uh, the beautiful sets and all that. But there was something about the music that just really caught my attention, and I was hooked right off the bat. Um, so I read the books, read the Silmarillion, uh, definitely a little bit of a Lord of the Rings nerd. And then, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> um, and I have listened to the soundtrack for the Lord of the Rings, I don't know, hundreds of hours worth, probably. Um, it's definitely one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. So, yeah. Yeah, I remember growing up and going up to your guys' house up in the mountains. And I'm, you know, a decent bit older than you and the rest of your younger siblings. But I was always blown away by the how musically inclined your whole family is. And, I mean, not that, I mean, mom would sing to us and play piano. But the rest <laughs> of us really are not exactly musically inclined. And so it was always kind of it just blew my mind to listen to you guys, even though I saw you as, you know, a fair amount younger than myself at the time, you know, I was a teenager and you guys were, you know, probably 10, 11, 12 at that point. And you were playing beautiful music, whether it be on the guitar or the piano, um, or even singing, you guys are all really good at it. So I'm not shocked at all that that's kind of the line of work that you ended up in. Yeah. Well, it was, it was a good environment to grow up in, for sure. There's lots of music yeah. everywhere. I think we drove our mom a little crazy at times. But... <laughs> As every son everybody. should. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I actually just told a, a story about you guys. I should probably start like asking people. I, I, I teach on Wednesday nights with our students, and I told a story about you guys. I remember one of the like piano recitals we went up to, and I was not looking forward to it because I don't like I didn't at that time like classical music and I was like, I have to sit through an hour of Caleb playing piano. But when you did, like you brought me to tears because of how beautifully you played. And I, I shared oh, that on the stage with all of our students to share, like, you know, sometimes, you know, things that you, an invitation that you don't necessarily want can blow you away and, and, you know, change your perspective and uh, something that you maybe seem as, you know, not, not quite as good as you think it's going to be can absolutely blow your mind. And so I, I probably should ask you before just like spouting out, but I, I did the comparison. I was like, yeah, the Moldenhauers are, you know, the meathead sports ball players. And then the Linvilles are like the you know, musically inclined artistic and creating your own languages and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we'll, we'll get into that a bit more. Uh, I'm going to check in with my brother, Seth real quick, just so our listeners are, our very loyal fellowship can hear just a quick 
don't know, minute or half or so. What's been going on in your life in the last what month? Yeah, it's been a little while. It's uh, pretty much the same as it was. I'm incredibly busy with uh, schoolwork and my full-time job and also the part-time job I picked up uh, clinical instructing nursing students. So my free time has become very limited. And so it's been hard to, you know, find the right schedule for this stuff. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's a season of life that has to, you know, be pursued and, you know, navigated through. And it's kind of funny. It's, uh, you can compare it to Tolkien's writings and Lord of the Rings a lot. You know, these, we I know Sam and I have talked about this a lot on our podcast, but just the different seasons of life that you go through and how different parts of it are applicable to different parts of your own life. And you can see the parallel. And even though Tolkien didn't necessarily like allegory, he was, you know, leaving it up for interpretation. And it's kind of a, it's a, it's like a safe spot for me to go back and listen to the stories. And when I'm stressed to listen to it before bed, it really, you know, calms my mind down and I don't know. It's just yeah. interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely. I can, I can attest to that. It's been kind of busy over here as well. Not probably as busy. I'm taking two classes to finish out my bachelor's. Uh, like I talked about last podcast, halfway through that. So almost done. Um, then I'll finally have a degree. Yeah. yeah thanks, so you've been wor- that's, been a long that's time coming. You've been working on yeah, it for I've a been... long time. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I've been uh doing all my not all my assignments, but I've been doing a lot of it during the midnight, like two AM, four AM feedings that we've been doing. Cause you know, I'll get up with Ariel and then I'll just start working and she's feeding and then I'll do the diaper and put them down and stuff. So I get like thirty minutes at a time in that way and saves time. It's not ideal. I'm very tired and it's I feel brain fried, but um on top of like work and, and uh seven week old as of yesterday as well. So we're, we're doing good over here too, though. Ariel has been a rock star of a mom. She is uh, absolutely amazing to, to watch grow our little child. He's starting to smile too, um, yeah. which is super fun. And we're actually getting him dedicated tomorrow at our church, which is different than like an infant baptism, you know, as a non-denominational, non-denominational, <laughs> can't even speak, non-denominational church you know, we don't believe in infant baptism. It's more so a parent's decision to dedicate this child to the Lord, to do our best as raising this kid up in, in the way that he should go. And then obviously it's going to be his choice later on. You know, hopefully I, I'm sure it will be uh, for him to be baptized and, and accept Jesus into his heart and that whole thing. So uh, we're excited for that, but that's probably a, a quick flyby update. Um, we got a lot to get into here today, which I'm very yes, excited. For. But uh, before that, let's do a little riddles in the dark, a quick little segment where we have our three in one, uh, Lord of the Rings book here that we try to stump each other with a section of dialogue or or some conversation between characters. Uh, Caleb, do you have a three and one or or do you have something next to you? Uh, I have something. Yep. All right. He's got something. <laughs> it's probably the Silmarillion. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> oh, boy. He's yeah, he's tricking us. Um, so we'll we'll do this similar how we did with, with Michael. I will find one for Seth. Seth will find one for Caleb. Caleb will find one for me. Does that sound good? Does that work? Let's go for sure. it. Okay, cool. Give me one second. Let me find some dialogue. So, Caleb, why don't you go ahead and find a piece of dialogue? What we're looking for is dialogue. We don't want to say the character's name uh, and really only a sentence or two. The goal is to guess the context surrounding the dialogue as well as who is speaking. And if you're like Sam, you can get the chapter. You're not, come on, you're acting like he's not a, a number one fan. Like he's not already listened to all our podcasts, man. Come on. He, he knows the drill. Sam, this is called podcasting where you explain things to your audience in a way that they don't even understand. You've seen that, that meme where the point goes over the head. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Come on well, now. This, this, this dialogue is about to go over your, your head. You ready for this? All right, let's, let's try it. Let's go. Okay, here we go. This is for you, Seth. I am too fat for such fly walks. I should turn dizzy and tread on my beard, and then you will be 13 again. And the knotted ropes are too slender for my weight. Wow. Hmm. See? Flies yeah, right no over kidding. Yeah, it sure does. Uh, try that one more time. Read it to me one more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am too fat for such fly walks, he said. I should turn dizzy and tread on my beard, and then you will be 13 again. And the knotted ropes are too slender for my weight. What in the world? Yeah. That's gotta it's gotta be Gimli speaking, but I don't know. 
man, I think this might be the first time you've actually completely stumped me. The only other thing I could think of is maybe it's from The Hobbit. But if it's from The Hobbit, I would say it's like Bim or uh, Bofer maybe speaking. I don't no, know. Come on. It is from The Hobbit. I am cheating a little bit because. OK, I that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I was like, this has to be The Hobbit. That that context does not add up to anything else. <laughs> totally, totally got you. But no, not Bofer. The fat one. Yeah. Is it Bember? I don't remember. It's I barely even remember all their names. The Hobbit's not exactly my favorite. Help him out, Caleb. Who is it? Bember, Boffer, Bofer. No, it's not. There's no Bimber. There's no Bimber. <laughs> All right, fine. I'm just making them up. Read it one <laughs> Which more one's time? the fat one? It's this. I am too fat for such okay, fireworks. Okay, stop, stop, stop. This is when they're crossing the river in Mirkwood. Um, yeah, it's got to be. When they shoot the rope across to get the boat. Yes. It's got, that's got to be the context. So they're in Mirkwood, right? I think so. Yeah, it says on the doorstep, which I imagine. No, no, no. Actually, no. This is. Sorry, no. This is when they're on the. Uh, when they're like at uh, the Lonely Mountain. Oh, okay. Interesting. Hmm. Wow. Well, I got the book. That's that's something. <laughs> cool. What's yeah. the name of the fat one? I don't remember the name of the fat one. I don't either, to be honest. I mean, you were close. Seth. It's it's Bomber. That's what I said. You Did said Bimber. All right. Well, that's close enough. Don't even try. That's all right. I, I totally cheated you anyway. Look at what Pippin did to my Hobbit book. Isn't that horrible? Yeah, that's a shame. It looks like a nice copy, too. Or it used it to is, be. It is. Yeah. Full of a took. Full of a took. All right. All so right. Do you got something for Caleb? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, are you ready, Caleb? Let's do it. Here is a grievous hurt and a heavy blow. The arm that was broken has been tended with due skill, and it will mend in time if she has the strength to live. Too easy. Come on. Yeah, so that would that would be um where Aragorn is healing uh Eowyn. Yes, it is. Well Let's done. Go. The houses of yeah, healing. Yep, I haven't read the books in such a long time though, so I'm very surprised I got that. that <laughs> yeah, that's great. still very yeah. good. That was very good, especially especially a spot that's not even in the in the movies. I mean, kind of in the extended, but not even kind like, of. There's no dialogue. Well, so, okay, kind so of. the song for that scene is amazing. That's why I remembered it is because of the song. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. okay, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. If you're not gonna if you're not gonna add the dialogue, at least add an amazing song. That's great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, yep. Well done. Well done. Well done. Yeah, well done, Caleb. All right, you got something for me? Yes. All right. Hit me up. Come, friend Frodo, said Blank. Let us go out to clean grass. You must help me bear them. Hmm. You must help Sorry, me. Sorry, Amanda bear walked them. in. I didn't even get to see, I didn't even get to hear it. Read it again, if you don't mind. Read it one more time. Come, friend Frodo, said Blank. Let us get out. Onto clean grass, you must help me bear them. You must help me bear them. Oh, 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 this is Tom Bombadil talking to Frodo when the, because he saves them from the Barrow Whites and the rest of the, like, for, uh, Pippin and Mary and Sam, they're all still out cold. And ba Tom Bombadil's like, let's get them out into the green grass and, like, wake them up. Is that correct? Yep, that's right. Good job. Hey, all you, right. Do you remember the name that's... of the chapter? Uh, yeah, that would be the Barrow Downs, I would imagine. Fog on the Barrow Downs, but yeah, that's, oh, not. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's impressive. I don't know that I would have gotten that one either. Well, Seth, if you were ever to post or listen to my audio about the Barrow Whites that I sent you, then you would know that I just I recently have, researched I have listened though. to it. I have listened to it. I just need to edit it into a video. <laughs> it's spooky season. You got to get it out there. Oh, uh, yeah. We'll see. All right. I'll try. I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> good, good, uh, good all around riddles in the dark. Sam and Caleb walk away with the wind. Seth with, uh, you needed some help it's there. It's cheated. Um, <laughs> hey, if that's how it has to happen, you know, you should be, I mean, you should be well-rounded. Sounds like you're uh, more of a niche kind of talking. I'll pull something out of the Silmarillion on you next time. We'll see how it okay. goes. Okay. Well, I didn't know if I was asking for that, but anyway, <laughs> on to the meat and potatoes. <laughs> like I mentioned, the meat and potatoes is, where we talk about the lore of Tolkien this uh, this week, this episode, we are blessed to have Caleb, the uh, the, the artist, the 
uh, song master here to talk about the, the the beautiful music of Howard Shore and how it fits into uh, Tolkien's already incredible works. And so, uh, to- uh, Caleb, I'll just kind of let you start with what you kind of feel is most important. You already mentioned how you got into Tolkien was by the music. Um, what about the music stands out to you? Like, what about it caught you, even at such such a young age, to like really wanted to explore this world? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it is extraordinarily unique hmm. uh, as far as soundtracks go. Um, it's And everything about it is just at such a high level. Um, yeah. It's just an, an incredible soundtrack. Uh, you know, you have, you have soundtracks that stick out, that go down in history, like Star Wars, for example. Sure. Or, uh, you know, soundtracks like that. But, and a lot of them are John Williams soundtracks. Yeah, um, yeah. We love John Williams. Yeah, yeah. But Howard Shore, for whatever reason, this soundtrack in particular, it, like it, it's on the same caliber as a John Williams soundtrack, like uh, Star Wars or something like that, but it's a completely different style. So yeah. what do you mean by that? So what, what makes it similarities, different? Similarities between them. They are both large orchestral soundtracks. Mm-hmm. And... They both go along to epic storylines. Um, differences between them, they just have very different writing styles. Uh, John Williams, he is, he does a lot of like syncopated um, melodies. When I say syncopated, now, meaning that. Okay, I was going to say, you have to, we're laymen here when it comes to music. Seth and I, we're probably the least <laughs> musically inclined people on this planet. So you'll have to, <laughs> you have to dub it down a little bit. Tell us what you're meaning, but go, yeah, continue, continue. Yeah, syncopation, meaning that a lot of his rhythmic identity comes from um, complicated rhythms, which come on what's called the offbeat. So you have a beat in music would be like one, two, three, four. You divide that, it would be one and two and three and four and. So the offbeat is when it comes in on the end of a beat. So it'd be like, mm. uh, 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 like that. Um, John Williams does a lot of that. Um, Howard Shore doesn't do that as much. His, his music is much more sort of melodically like sweeping might be the right word for it. Yeah, sort of I, sounds like I could get that. Boring. Um, it's like a long, yeah. It's like a long line, uh, long melodic line. Um, yeah, a lot of the notes seem to point. carry for a while. Like yeah. I'm thinking, like just some of the, especially the vocals, like the long, and maybe that's like he was trying to get that elvish flair to him. But I'm thinking specifically like when Gandalf uh, dies at the bridge of Cosmodium yeah, yeah. and the, the high pitch singing and how mm-hmm. it's really oh, yeah. drawn out and it makes you, I don't know, yeah. it makes you feel the emotion and the weight of the scene because of kind of like Caleb saying how it's kind of that arcing where it, it kind of climb like it peaks with Gandalf falling in and then it gets really mm-hmm. sad. And over time it slowly, you know, I don't know how to describe it really. Maybe that's more of Caleb's side of it, but <laughs> it makes you feel the emotion more. Yeah, exactly. Um, not that John Williams doesn't. I mean, he's amazing, but it's just a different style. Yeah. Hmm. Um, some other amazing things about the Lord of the Rings soundtrack. Typically for a film, the composer has uh, somewhere between like six and three months composed the entire score. Wow. Um, which keep in mind that, you know, the average length for a film is like 90 minutes. <laughs> 90, minute, 90 minutes of music for you know i have to write that in like three months um tight times up by two <laughs> yeah obviously for lord of the rings you cannot do that i mean it's yep. it's a massive amount of music massive i was listening to the just the return of the, uh, the return of the king soundtrack today and that soundtrack alone is three hours and 45 minutes of music jeez <laughs> Um, and Howard Shore, he spent four years of his life, I believe it's, it was four years of his life, just writing music for the films. Wow. So did, do so, they give him a contract like well before they even start filming at that point? Because, I mean, I think the filming only took about a year per film, right? I don't know for sure. 
Yeah, if I remember correctly, he was working on the music before they had started filming. Um, just developing. Wow. He was, he was, he was developing the themes from the books, is what he was doing. Hmm. Um, he's reading the books and trying to get the feel of the books and uh, capturing that in music. So, just you know, it's a everything about the Lord of the Rings is so unique in that it was yeah. such a rare opportunity um, for the films. You know, it was the right timing where the technology was good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, the funding was enough. They had yeah. enough funding to do what they needed to do. And they also had the time to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that combination is, you know, you just don't, you don't really see that anymore. So I was going to say, there's, there's really no comparison, at least recently, it feels like. I mean, maybe you can make a case for Harry Potter, even though that was happening this around the same time as Lord of the Rings. But like the, yeah, the all-encompassing and that's why the movies stand stand alone even to this day even though they're 20 years old now at this point which is insane almost 25 but uh the the fact that they've been able to hold hold their own this long because they don't rely super heavily on special effects that are outdated because they had the miniatures they had what a workshop which i'm actually that's my final project for my project management class i'm i'm like doing a deep dive analysis on what a workshop which is kind of fun that's cool. but cool but like in the music as well, like the orchestra, uh, orchestra as, as you, as you mentioned, it just, it all ties in so fluently. Like, it seems like it all just fits together like a perfect 10,000 piece puzzle. Yeah. One thing that, one thing that stands out to me about the music is the different themes based on the different, like, I don't want to say races, but like the elves or the dwarves or the men, but even the men of Gondor is different from the men of, Rohan, Rohan, which is different from, you know, Mm -hmm. the Dunlendings or even the music you'd hear at the Prancing Pony. So it's like, yeah, the simplicity of the Hobbits, too. Yeah. Yeah. And it just the way the way uh, he goes about making you differentiate the scenes just through the music is fascinating to me. Is there is there some special technique that he uses or I, I know other, you know, composers do that as well, but it, to me it's very distinct in Lord of the Rings, maybe just cause I know the story so much better, but he does a great job. Yeah. So he uses what are called light motifs, um, which is where he uses the same series of notes throughout the film to represent different things. Um, mm. And Lord of the Rings is a really unique opportunity for him because it has so many different cultures. And you can, you can define a culture by the music. Yeah. And so yeah. part of what he yeah. was doing um, is he was creating, you know, these different cultures through the music. You know, you have like the That's Hobbit themes, yeah. which, are, which are very folky and happy, sort of dance-like, mm-hmm. um, versus the elves, which, you know, are Just much sad. more grand. Um, yeah, you could say sad. You can sort of feel the ancientness yeah. of the elves in the music. Part of that is that he often uses choirs and voices yeah. with the elves, uh, which for us is very much reminiscent of um, the Catholic Church in the Middle Ages mm. and in the Dark Ages. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, I've always thought the elves sounded rather ethereal like they're not meant to be there because of the music which and to some extent you know the times of the elves are passing and they're all headed back west of Alinor, so it makes sense but like you said they're ancient and they're they're just out of place in that world you know and the music makes you feel that yeah exactly yeah the uh harmonic structure that um Howard Shore uses for the elves is something that you would encounter more in Middle Eastern music. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of why it sounds otherworldly is because it uses it uses scales and patterns that we don't often encounter in our Western world. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you might find this interesting. So I brought a book with me. It's called The Music of the Lord of the Rings Films. Ooh. This guy here. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, yeah. yeah. It has some of the, um, like, the Howard Lee, is that the artist? Is that right? Alan Lee. Al- yeah. Alan Lee, yeah. Yep. It has some of his um, artwork in it. It's gorgeous. But this is the table of all the themes in The Lord of the Rings. 
Oh, that's dope. Which is like, uh, hmm. so just the main, like main um, themes that you have are like the one ring, Shire and the Hobbits, Elves, Dwarves, Rohan, Gondor, Fellowship of the Ring, Monsters of Middle-Earth, Isengard, hmm. the Orc, Mordor, the Ents, Nature, and then Middle-Earth <clears throat> themes. And so those are like the big genres. And within each genre, you have, some of them have like 10 sub-themes. That you wow. Use. Um, and so, and once, once you hear them and you, uh, you can recognize them, then you realize that he literally created every um, piece of the soundtrack from those themes. They're all yeah. wound around each other, sort of like a tree. Being mm-hmm. back in school, I've been writing a lot of scientific papers, and it's kind of annoying, honestly. But <laughs> it just makes me think, you know, I have to go through and I create an outline for what I want my paper to, to ultimately sound like and convey. Mm-hmm. And it sounds for, like that's exactly what he's doing. And I've uh, obviously it's called writing music for a reason, right? But I've never actually thought of it like you have to have a writing process. I thought it was just like a creative thing that came to people, but no, what you're describing is he literally created an outline and then broke those, you know, those main categories into subheadings and then, you know, expanded Mm -hmm. on it in the same exact way you would if you were writing a paper. Yeah. That's a good way of thinking about it. Um, Yeah. Often when you're writing a larger work like that, especially if it has a story element of it, you'll encounter this in like opera or hmm. uh, what's called um, classical program music or um, romantic program music where it follows a story arc. You hmm. have different themes that represent different things. And you have to start with those themes before you can make the larger work. Otherwise, it will turn into nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it's, it's incredible the, the vast knowledge that you have on music and and also just the studying you've done on uh, Howard Shore's music for, for Middle Earth. What is, I, I'll, I'll ask this, what is your favorite culture, as you put it? Like, which one is your favorite that just stands out to you as maybe the most magnificent or the one that's always replaying in your head? Like, for me, I think it's the Riders of Rohan. Like, I, I love... I knew you were going to say Hobbit. that. <laughs> you what? I knew you, you were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, when I was a kid, I remember... Like as soon as I got something that I could put music on, was like a little like not even an iPod. It was some terrible MP3 player that we got. I think from Uncle Ken. I don't know if you remember that. Like on rebate, but I put I put Lord of the Rings soundtrack on that little device, and I would be riding around on my bike listening to the Riders of Rohan like soundtrack. I was like, I'm I'm in it, man. I'm I'm one of these guys. I'm I'm riding my horse to battle, and I'd be on my on my little bike. So. I mean, I got good memories of that, but uh, obviously, you know, but neither here nor, here nor there. I'm just babbling now. But what is like maybe one of your favorite cultures or just something that stands out to you from all the music for from your professional, I'll say for professional standpoint and a personal standpoint, either one. You know, they're all so well done. It's hard to pick one. I think for me, I, uh, I just love the Gondor theme. Hmm. Da, 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 da. Yeah. That theme is so cool because it captures the nobility of Gondor and its heritage mm. coming from the Numenorians. Yeah. But there's also a sad side to it. Right. Um, yeah. Um, where you can hear in the theme that Gondor is declining, that it's not what it once was. Wow. Yeah. Um, and if you break it out in music theory, what you'll discover is that that theme, I believe is in, uh, I should know this better, actually. I believe it's in a Dorian mode. I have to double check that, which means that if you split it apart, it's half major and half minor, half happy, Hmm. half sad. Um, Okay. So that's that's how that's how it captures that. Um, yeah. That no, nobility, but also that sadness. I could I could mm-hmm. definitely see that. Like when Gandalf is riding up 
to Minas Tirith with Pippin on his back. Like that is maybe yeah. the most epic scene in, in all of Lord of the Rings. And it's so simple, but it just the music combined with the vastness of Minas Tirith and, you know, him riding across yeah. the plains. But then you contrast that with like the type of sad music that's playing as Faramir is leaving after speaking with Denethor to try to retake Osgiliath. And it's mm. that more sad, like just exactly what you're describing where it's like, he's trying to uphold the, you know, the, the proudness, if you will, of his heritage as, as yeah. being kind of from the line of Numenor, even though he's not, you know, straight from the, the ruling line necessarily, he still has Numenorean blood in him and he's trying to uphold that, but it's still, their power is waning, right? Yep. Yeah. 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 And then if you contrast that with the Rohan theme, the Rohan theme is like straight up hero theme. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys, I can see it. Compared to culturally, compared to where the Rohan culture is in comparison to the Gondorian culture, the Gondorian culture is on its decline. It needs a revitalization. The Rohan culture is still on its upward journey. It's a very young culture in comparison. And you can hear that in the music mm. as well, where it sounds slightly folkier, not yeah. quite as noble, and more heroic. Like um, the people from the Rohan culture are more about uh, grand quests and adventures and yeah um, that sort of thing you can sort of sort of sense that in the music so see that's where i would love like i would have loved to hear the battle cry the the song that the rohirrim sing as they march into the the line of the orcs at Minas Tirith. that i mean I, again it would maybe feel out of place in, a, in the epic moment of of battle like right after Theoden's speech to go in there and then you start hearing them sing as they <laughs> like cut these orcs heads off and stuff but like reading that in in the books, it just sounds so epic. And I know Howard Shore could have knocked that out of the park. I know he could have made that. It's just such a really cool moment. And maybe again, it doesn't translate as well to the screen as it does on paper. But I mean, if 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 there was one musical thing that could have been added to the movies, that would have been it for me. Yeah, that would have. I would have been epic. I would have loved that. Kind of along those lines, I don't know if you guys have ever done this, and if you haven't, it's an absolute must, but there's this YouTube video, it's like four, I think it's like three or four minutes long, and it's actually Tolkien reading the the Ride of the Rohirrim, but yes, it's, I have, yeah. it's, yeah, so it's, it's him reading it, but it's the music and it's cut scenes from the actual movies, but, mm. you know, there's no audio aside from the music and Tolkien reading, and like every time I read that or watch that video, it almost brings me to tears just hearing him read it the way he intended it to be read with the music yeah. that just makes you really feel what he's reading. It's it's incredible, and I would definitely recommend anybody go and watch it. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. A sword day, a red day, ah, the sun rises. Something oh, like that. It's the best best scene in the whole film. Yeah, it has to be. Chills <laughs> just up and down your body every time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's awesome. Um, another culture which I really like the music for it actually is Mordor. Hmm. Mm, yeah, the music for Mordor is so dark and so gripping. Yeah, and it also it also has some things that we would associate with. Um some deep cultural things in our own culture um mm. like it has the it's called a, the descending third line which huh. goes along often with the black riders uh but it's you know with the orcs and stuff too and it's dun 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 oh yeah that thing so that yeah, kind of just keeps going down yeah yeah that comes directly from a Gregorian chant called the Dies Irae. Hmm. And if you look up that chant, you can look it up on Spotify. The first, um, first few notes is exactly those descending thirds. The Dies Irae sounds huh. something like um, da 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 da. That's more or uh-huh. less what it sounds like. Um, look it up; it's very cool. But Dies Irae yeah. in Latin means day of death. Hmm. Oh. 
And so uh, Howard Shore took that. I don't know if he did it on purpose or not, but he took that theme and gave it to Mordor. In particular, you encountered a lot with the Black Riders. Yeah. It's very fitting. Yeah. And so it's no, I think like that was, that. yeah. Super intentional, I would say. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it, yeah. Lord of the Rings soundtrack is filled with those sorts of things. Uh, how would it's, you describe yeah. uh, the Isengard and the Urukai, uh, especially like in the Fellowship of the Ring? Like, you know, here they are going down the Anduin and then out of nowhere, the music just changes to like dun 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 dun. The Urukai music is supposed to be really mechanical. Yeah. Um, Very like industry. Industry, yeah. You know how Tolkien didn't like industry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He thought it would destroy mankind. And it might. Um, (laughs) He's right. But that's what the Isengard themes represent. Um, you can hear it in the beat of the music where Hardshore is using anvils as percussion. Oh, instruments. that's cool. So that is so cool. Musicians are literally hitting hammers against anvils. That's so cool. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And the other cool thing about that theme is that dun 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 that's a the time signature for that is five four which what that means sort of a normal song like most songs we hear today are in four four so they count like this one two three four one two three four one two three four it's very square uh it's very measured it fits together the Isengard theme has an extra beat in it. It counts one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. Mm. One, two, three, four, five. And that just throws everything off kilter mm. um, because everybody's used to the four, four. It fits so well into even yeah. when we, like when we walk, it's sort of a four. Sure. Four. Kind of that metronome, right? Yep. Yeah. But when you add that extra beat, it just throws everything off balance. So immediately, as soon as you hear that dun 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 dun, mm. you know you know that the Isengard orcs are coming, and you'd better watch out. <laughs> That's fascinating. Yeah, because it's so it's distinct. You you know you just hear it, and it, it's almost like it's very mechanical, but it's also I don't know more scary in a way than even like the Black Riders, sure, but the other. Mordor orcs and stuff. Really, the music doesn't terrify me, but when I'm when I hear it, it almost seems like there's more power behind Isengard, which makes sense if it's more mechanical and industrious. It's you know, there's there's a machine behind them. It's not just these orcs, but it's it's almost more terrifying to me than even like the Mordor orcs whenever, you know, music plays around them. Yeah. These are no mindless rabble of orcs. These are Urukai. The armor's thick and their shields broad. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine sort of where that comes from, from Tolkien's point of view. You know, he grew up um, before World War One, mm. and World War One changed everything. And so, and then after that, you have World War Two, uh, which is when he was writing the books. And so, from his perspective, you can see how the mechanical, industrial side of civilization was terrifying. Yeah. Like something no one has ever encountered before. Whereas the music that you encounter with Mordor, it's still very terrifying, but it sounds older somehow. It sounds mm. older. It is yeah. a little bit darker, but it's not as scary necessarily because people know what it is. They know it's Sauron. Yeah. They know what he's capable of. And that's terrifying enough, but with Saruman... No one really knows what he's capable of. He's a new thing that no one had ever encountered. This is this is blowing my mind. Um, my mind is absolutely blown. I got brain spattered on the wall over here. This is awesome. <laughs> Don't ruin your Tolkien painting, jeez. Yeah, I know yeah, you I can see it. Right, it looks good. Time. <laughs> this time, yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm gonna switch. 
Sorry, I'm, I'm going to switch gears a little bit, um, and we can go back. Like, I mean, again, this is your thing. I want to just keep hearing from you because, again, like I'm saying, I'm, my mind's blown. But the one bright spot I got from the TV show Rings of Power, which we've talked in excess about its flaws, and we don't have to go into that unless there's anything you'd like to add on top of that. But I'm always down to trash Rings of Power. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> But one of the bright spots I thought was the music. I thought the music was actually done really, really well. And as you mentioned, like the multiple multiple different cultures, I got that with uh, I forget who even made the the music, but I thought Bear he did McCreary. a pretty good job of yeah, yeah, Bear Bear McGreary. I thought he did a pretty good job of replicating kind of what Howard Shore had done in the past. And I know they kind of worked together a little bit on one song. I don't know how much influence Howard Shore had with the rest of it, but um, from your professional standpoint, like how does how do they compare? Um, I think it's it's the difference between having four years and a year. Mm. Sure. I think that the uh, Rings of Power soundtrack is is pretty good. Like all things considered, yeah. I think, I think Bear did an excellent job with it. Um, but you know, just having that the difference in the time that you have between the Lord of the Rings and the Rings of Power. I don't think that you can. Um, I don't think that you can, you know, broach that very easily. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, I don't actually know. I don't actually know if Amazon had the rights to the Lord of the Rings music. They probably didn't. Hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, part of that would have been that, you know, they hired Howard Shore to write the main theme for the series. Um, yeah. So. The challenge for that then for Bear would have been to make it sound Lord of the Rings without copyright infringement. Right, sure, sure. And so, which is sad because he, he couldn't use any of the wonderful material that Howard sure. had written in Lord of the Rings. But overall, I thought it was a great soundtrack. Um, definitely one of the bright spots in that series, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> you'd, you'd say... Uh, the Rings of Power soundtrack was maybe a akin to Howard Shore's music, maybe perhaps a a cousin to the Howard Shore series. Sure. Eh? Yeah, I mean, you can, eh? you can hear the influence. You can <laughs> hear how it's it's the same world, more or less, musically speaking. Yeah. Um, I, I was making a joke that we're we're cousins, and so I was trying to make that connection. Seth, us dads, Seth got it. Um, <laughs> he's he's uh, been a dad for seven weeks, and he th thinks he's entitled to all the dad jokes in the world already. You know, I say go for it. <laughs> Love it. Thank you for your support. <laughs> That's interesting. Maybe I need to go back and give Rings of Power another shot, not the actual material but just the soundtrack because i was so jaded after watching those that i haven't even gone back and re-listened to any of the soundtrack and i remember it being you know it's all right it wasn't it never like stood out to me the way uh howard shores did uh, yeah but that could be because i was you know my preconceived notions about the show were true and then it was worse than i even thought it was going to be <laughs> And so I yeah. just kind of turned my brain off to the, you know, what could have been interesting in, in regards to the music. Yeah, well, that's a talking about how it um, just didn't really stick out to you. That's another thing that film music struggles with a lot um, hmm. yeah. is because there's so much money involved, uh, they have a tendency to play it safe. Hmm. Um, but you you don't get Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or in my opinion the most recent one would be Dune. You don't get those soundtracks yeah, yeah. by being safe. You get those soundtracks by going out there and exploring and trying new things. Um and so that's also a difference between the Lord of the Rings soundtrack and the Rings of Power soundtrack. Is one is playing it safe and the other is going into uncharted territory hmm interesting that's, that, that's a great point that, yeah that kind of makes me think i mean when i look back at kind of some of the good soundtracks that you know i grew up on lord of the rings obviously is number one for me 
But I think of Jaws or I think of Jurassic Park or Indiana Jones, Pirates all of the Caribbean. Yeah. They're yeah. pretty much all, you know, a couple of people. And I wonder if maybe those couple of people have more of a knack to, you know, test the boundaries a little bit like you're describing there. They're more willing to put themselves out there, whereas Rings of Power, the whole thing they were doing, they were literally just trying to play it safe for the world we live in today and not actually Tolkien's world. But the entire goal of the show was to play it safe in the politically correct environment that we live in. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely some film composers who find themselves in the position to go out there and try new things. I'd say Bear did a pretty good job like i mean i went back because i i was intrigued by some of his uh specifically like the cause of doom soundtrack that he had i really liked that for the dwarves and uh but i looked i looked him up and some of the other stuff he's done like outlander was a was a show that ariel really likes and it's like a scottish theme and it was actually very similar some of his overlap especially like the numenorean theme which again was that kind of grandiose contrast the numenorean theme and rings of power in the gondor theme like it actually kind of fits pretty well in my mind. I don't know. Again, Seth, you can go back and listen to it. What helps for me is I also got to listen to it before the show actually came out because the music was released first. And so I started listening to the music and I was like, oh, this is really good. Like I, I, I'm trying to envision what I thought was going to be so much better than what I saw. But, you know, it helped me without like the preconceived notion of hearing the music with horrible acting or horrible dialogue or, you know, stuff like that. But um, yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to just do one last thing. I know we we have a little bit of time uh, we got to be honoring of here. And, and Caleb, thank you again for making this work. I know we've been trying to put together a time for us to talk. It's been absolutely wonderful. So worth it. But the last thing I want to hear from you, you're our composer for the Well-Earned Comforts uh, little intro and outro music. How well, did we you have mentioned to... that? You probably, we should have mentioned that like right at the beginning. <laughs> I can I can slip Whoops. something in there. I can like edit something in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but man, how did you come up with our music? I mean, it's it's fun. It's catchy. I find myself whistling it from time to time throughout the day. Like, you know, what made you think of oh, Seth and Sam, my cousins, Weller and Comforts, Tolkien? How did you create our music? Yeah, well, thanks for those compliments. Um, well, I asked you what sort of feel you wanted, and you said Hobbit music. I was like, okay, what defines Hobbit music? It's fun, it's simple, it's catchy. Yeah. So that's what I went for, you know, is I could go into <laughs> the theory of it, but, you know, I'm not Please do, yeah, go ahead. necessarily sure that that's what the point of this podcast is, but, you know, a lot of major, major chords, um, a lot of sort of fancy rhythms yeah um the hardest thing what all the time is writing the melody Hmm. finding a melody that will stick is very difficult so i'm glad you think i accomplished that (laughs) i would say so absolutely can't really hear you whistling yeah you probably can't hear my whistling just just here and there I kind of want to, I wanted to ask, I know Sam's kind of wrapping it up, but what are you working on currently that you're interested in? Uh, I know you said you're doing works for video games, which you're depending on what type of video games you're working on. You probably are under NDA type of stuff for that, but um, what kind of stuff are you working on? Where can people, you know, look up your, your work and listen to what you've created, stuff like that. Sure. Um, yeah, so the most recent project that I've been involved with is a RPG game, um, which I'm very excited for. Uh, it's 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 about sort of like mental health and just taking an interesting avenue into um, just exploring that in, in, in new ways that <laughs> I hadn't encountered before. So it's really fun to be part of that project. It's still in its very early stages. Um, so I can't say much about that one, but I'm excited for that. I just finished up some work for that. Uh, I also just released a video game music pack, um, which is, uh, you know, people can use them in their game. You know, you buy the pack and then you can use that in your game or your YouTube videos because video game music also works really well for YouTube and podcasts. Um, yeah. 
Uh, so yeah, and then you can contact me at my website, calebleneville.com. Um, or I'm also on, you know, LinkedIn, um, Instagram, those sorts of things. So do you have a place like a, I think it's called SoundCloud. Isn't that what people upload their music to, or like, where can people actually listen to the stuff you've come up with? Yeah. Uh, I have some, I have some tracks on my website that you can play. I'm also on SoundCloud. You can look up Caleb Lindville and my stuff on there will pop up too. So. Awesome. Yeah. That's great, man. Well, thank you so much for taking time. Thank you for uh, just hanging with us for some well-earned comforts and educating us. I think we could definitely put this as an educational podcast because I learned so much already. So, you know, for our, for our next go around with you, we'll have to maybe put that, put that together, but for sure. Yeah. yeah thanks for having me. Yeah. It's been yeah. a blast. I know, I know we're, you're talking about maybe trying to actually play some stuff. Uh, and I think we should definitely set up a time for that and you can kind of explain even if you're just playing the same themes or whatever that Howard Shore created, but you could play it and then describe it and explain it. Uh, maybe even from like a music theory perspective, that'd be a fascinating episode. For sure. Yeah. I'd love to do that. Yeah. Well, this has been absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's been absolutely phenomenal. Obviously we love you cause you're family and you've been a big part of our lives and just growing up together skiing and snowboarding Well, you never snowboarded. I, I, I skied and snowboarded with you, <laughs> but just the time we got to spend together hiking together. I mean, this has been super special on multiple levels, uh, both like just hobby related with Lord of the Rings, but also great to catch up with you, man. I I've missed seeing you guys and hopefully next time I'm out there, we can, we can get together and just, uh, maybe share a pint and talk about Lord of the Rings or something, but yeah, totally. Uh, Let's do it. And tell, tell your little ones hi for me. Yeah, we'll be yeah, we'll be sure to do that for sure. Absolutely, yes. Right. Big thanks to uh, both of our our wives who are holding down the fort right now with with the kids. I know I heard mine screaming through half the episode, so we'll see uh, how he's doing. I'm a little bear in the brave, but uh, now is the part of the episode where Gondor calls for aid. This is part of the episode where we break into the halls of Metaseld and we shout, "Gondor calls for aid." Will you, Rowan, answer? So if you enjoyed the podcast, please light a beacon uh, of your own by liking, subscribing, leaving us a review. Please go to Caleb's website, calebblinville.com, uh, and, and give him some love as well as he has got such an incredible line of work that he's put out there. And uh, guys, we, we really appreciate you being on this fellowship with us. Please join us for some well-earned comforts next week or next time whenever we get a chance to podcast together. But it's been wonderful. We bid you all very fond. Farewell. I don't know what that was with my hands there. <laughs> I don't think that anybody the, knows. That was the conductor cutoff. That's what that was. Hey, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>